Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get the show on the road here. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. It is a cold Saturday night here in good old Wyoming. Maddie probably has like three or four blankets on her right now because it's probably her favorite thing in the world. What yeah. Do you think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being in my living room under a blanket when it's like 20 below outside might be my favorite thing ever. And by the way, this is Jay Alejandro and... Maddie. One of the most important things of our relationship, and I realized this when you reminded me the other day, was just how you love to have a bit of peace and quiet in your life. I remember it, it was pretty cold, not as cold as tonight, but you sat down in, in the chair that we have there in the corner where Oscar is right now. You had about two or three blankets on you and you, you had your book, like you were ready to go. Our son was asleep already and you went, what, what did you say? You said something like, oh, it was when you closed the curtains and then you oh, sat yeah. down and then you said, do you ever imagine that there is nothing in the world outside and it's just us? Right here in this house and there's nothing outside. It's just like a void, which sounds terrifying when I say it out loud, but it felt so cozy in that moment to shut the curtains and imagine <laughs> that there was nothing outside our house. I thought it was kind of endearing, but I, I guess you do bring up an interesting point that depending on how malignant the void is, I mean, it could be like an indifferent void sure. or a more <laughs> aggressive kind of soulless void. I guess I was thinking void. indifferent. Yeah, yeah. That seems less scary. A Lovecraftian <laughs> void, if you will. <laughs> In any case, welcome to tonight's show. We have a couple of things that we want to chat about, and I guess let's start with some of the fun stuff that we did, did this weekend, because that was pretty cool. We had a great weekend. We took a tiny vacation down to Denver, uh, and after that, we made the rest of the... It was about an hour farther from, from Fort Collins to yeah. downtown Denver. So how long was it? It was about three and a half hours, right? Four hours? Total? Yeah. Yeah. Down, yeah. Four, I would say four to four and a half. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. I was going to say, that's your average travel yeah. day when you're going anywhere in Wyoming. Yeah. You're looking at about three hours at least. Yeah. But we got down there okay. We didn't get lost. Thank you to GPS for getting us there. Yeah. We stayed at this awesome hotel called the Oxford Hotel. It's in downtown yeah. Denver in Larimer, that, that Larimer Square area. It was beautiful. It was. It's old. It's an old hotel. It's been around since the 18... 18- Hundred like the late eighteen hundreds, and they had recently redone it, like renovated it around like two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and so it was restored. Like they restored the the entrance was like a wrought iron had like a wrought iron facade, and they had restored that. That was like the original, and like how the original entrance looked, and they had restored it and had like a marquee light of like the Oxford Hotel. It was really beautiful. I don't want to use the word swanky, but I think it, it was very, very elegant. It, it was felt a, way fancier than anything we ever do. Right. And do you want to tell them the uh, valet story? Just how embarrassed I was <laughs> because I felt like a complete peasant. We, the moment I showed up, I just yeah. felt like it wasn't going to work out. So you can see, like, we could see people flipping a Yui on the, <laughs> on the street where the hotel was to flip around to get to the, to, to park in front of the hotel. And it was like, Mercedes, BMW, Audis, brand new looking Subarus, because it's Colorado. 
And we pull up in a 2005 Ford, what do you have? Ford whatever, Escape Ford whatever, yeah. With rust on the side. <laughs> it's only a little bit of rust, I, but... I told you, you should probably wash your car before we ran we out of time. Town. Okay, so in my defense, we ran out of time to go to the car wash. It was a priority. I understood that. But... <laughs> It didn't feel that much of a fuck up until I showed up. Right. Like until we pulled up to to the front of the well, hotel. And I, I realized I really didn't have a good a good grasp of quite how fancy this hotel was. I knew it was fancier than anywhere we stayed recently. <laughs> But it was pretty darn fancy. It was about the the (laughs) finest place that we had stayed at together. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. The moment we got there, I was like, as soon as I opened the doors, like, I hope half the trash doesn't fall out. (laughs) I really hope that we don't make a scene here. Well, we had just driven, you know, four hours. We'd had road snacks and all sorts of stuff. I just imagine, like, me stepping out of the car, like, trash falling out of the sidewalk as this (laughs) poor man takes your keys. This is is the awful thing. It's like, I felt bad. Bad for the butler, for the valet, I know. getting into the car because he was so well dressed. <laughs> I was. didn't want him to get like yelled at as he was driving yeah. it to the parking lot. He was well dressed, you know. And yeah, I, I really felt bad for him. Well, it was fine. But, they were. I mean, it was. Fine. <laughs> They're not going to tell you, hey, your car fucking sucks. Yeah, Jesus, could you brings... wash it before you come to this fancy part of town? You piece of garbage. At long last, have you no sense of decency, <laughs> Mister? Yeah, I we tipped them that. well. It was fine. We did. Honestly, it was it was one of the great experiences that we've had together. It was really great. Yeah. We got like a nice, you know, nice room and it was all very, like the hotel is so beautiful and they had, they had like art leading up the stairs and there was, I I think I noticed that there was a lot of the history, you know, the majority of the photographs were from the older iterations iterations of the, of -hmm. of the hotel and just the character of being in a building that's so old. Mm-hmm. And, and here in the Old West, we don't have buildings that are like East Coast old, like hundreds of years. But right. at least this this building was at least over 100 years old. Yeah. You got to kind of feel that elegance and, and that history with mm-hmm. every step that you took. And I thought it was haunted as fuck. But I slept great. I had a great dream. Except for the fact that at the end of my dream, I, I had a conversation with uh, – with fucking um bill cosby yeah remember when i told you i i woke up and i was like this is really strange i was sitting down with bill cosby and i was keeping my son away from him for a good reason for a good reason he said you know i i need some help i gotta get my career going i need you to pitch me your best stories what what do you have going on and and i was like at the rooftop of this this weird place that he owned and i was like all right uh, pick up a lawn chair here next to Bill Cosby. And I started telling him, you know, the sci-fi stories that I wanted him to be in. I'm really glad that I'm not in those pitching environments because I would have bombed. Mm. He didn't offer you a drink, did he? No, no, we hadn't got, it hadn't gone that <laughs> well yet. That I hadn't even started when I said, this is, this is my nightmare. So I better wake up. <laughs> but no, it was, it was a great relaxing place. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was really nice. But then we got to go to comedy works. Yeah. We, we, we actually walked around the 16th Street Mall, which is a block over. And it's just like this really nice open air mall. It's just like a street. And we just kind of walked up and down. We found this great gelato place where we imbibed <laughs> some gelato for dinner because we'd eaten the late lunch. Yeah. Which was really it, nice. 
It was nice to just get out. We had been in the car all day and we got to walk quite a bit. It was Uh, so warm. It was like 60 degrees. Yeah, we weren't expecting that because we were coming from a really windy, like... It was like 20 degrees colder up north than it was down in Denver, which was... It was a nice... It was a nice break to just be able to walk in a sweatshirt and not feel miserable. Overall, it it was just amazing just getting to to be someplace different Mm -hmm. in... In a weekend, and this feels more more like an advertisement for you know go visit Denver, Colorado. Yeah. But it was really just a nice getaway for us. So yeah. we just think that it's incredibly important for people to get out there and and take some time for that self care and to try to incorporate those little gaps to breathe. Coming back was rough. <laughs> you know, we were we were so happy to stay there. We we would have stayed there another couple of days. Yeah, I think so too. So after we. Walked around 16th Street. We made our way over to Comedy Works, the the comedy club. It was so fun. It was such a fun show. We we saw Christina P, who's a comedian that I'm a big fan of, that we've both become big yeah. fans of. She was working on some new material, which was right. really cool to see a comedian like working it out. And yeah. I thought I've never I don't think I've ever seen that before like to right, see Right because it. when you went to see Chris Hardwick he he had his stuff pretty much I think so figured I'm not, out right He doesn't I don't think he's done a special special you know mm-hmm. like a Netflix special or I don't know the last time he did that he's just sort of a touring comedian and he has his I'm sure he does like new bits and stuff you know but I don't yeah. I don't know what his process is but yeah his set definitely seemed more fine tuned Mhm Whereas this set was clearly something that she was working on and she was just trying stuff out and it was so cool to experience that. And, you know, she'd just come off of, she had a special that came out in October called The Degenerates. It was six comedians and she was one of them. So none of that material I don't think is in this new hour of hers. I don't remember seeing any of that stuff. And um, so it was cool to just kind of, yeah, see yeah. her working it out. And I'm sure that this is going to lead to another hour of material, hopefully, that she can translate into another special. Yeah, it was really cool to see because from a creative standpoint, I had never been in that situation where I got to see a professional stand-up comedian just go to town and trying the material and being bold. And that was something that I was really surprised about the history of comedy works and how they really cater to that kind of development because much like what you do in the theater where you really have to hear it, you have to put it in front of an audience to know what's going to happen and how it's going to play out. That, that place was so welcoming, Mm -hmm. not just to, to the audience, but especially to the, to the artist who's trying to do their stuff where I, I was incredibly pleased and humbled to be in that space. It was a ton of fun. I mean, it was incredibly uh, exciting to see, but just from um, the standpoint of a creative person who who is just kind of interested in that side of it, it was really fun to just kind of see her look at her notes and see what mm-hmm. played. And then there were other things that didn't land and creating banter from that development part of it where mm-hmm. if something stumbled, she's like, okay, that one's not going to yeah. go into the thing. <laughs> yeah. Into the, into yeah, you the can see list. her like mentally making yeah. notes like, oh, that's not going to yeah, work. This didn't play. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's so important to in particular, stand-up comedians, when their heart is in the right place, you got to give them a little bit of room yeah. to make those mistakes because they're yeah. trying to find that fine line yeah. of of 
talking about something that that hurts a little bit, mm-hmm. but doing it in the right way. And sometimes going over that line is is sort of part of the process for them. That's exactly something that Christina has talked about on the Your Mom's House podcast. She's, she says stuff like, walking that line is sort of where you want to be. Mm-hmm. But in order to know where that line is, you have to step over it sometimes. And yeah. that can be scary. Right. But it's something that a comedian has to do in order to find that where that line is and to, to walk it just enough to where it doesn't push people over the edge, Yeah, but it pushes them just a little bit. Right. And I think that that's what she was trying to accomplish that night. Yeah. And the, you're right. The room was, and I kind of already knew this just from having been there before mm-hmm. and knowing enough about the club to know that it's, it's for comedy fans. You're not just getting like Joe Schmo walking off the street with a free ticket. You're getting people who paid money to be in that room to see her. Yeah. And I think that that makes the crowd, that makes the room very different and much more supportive. And people were just ready to laugh. They were yeah, willing and- to laugh and they were going, they were, they were along for with her for the ride and yeah. they were ready for it. Yeah. And I tell you what, and, and now that you mentioned that, this this really like brings out a, a strange awakening in the creative experience because that sort of communal moment between the content creator or the artist and the audience or the recipient that is something that I have never seen in theater personally. Mm. I've had very few times where I've gotten close to experiencing something like that in the theater, which was supposedly my profession what i invested so much to do but i see it so much in in all of its purity with stand-up comedians Mm -hmm. because of that freedom and that eagerness to just go all out and and they they're very successful at making that connection with the audience Mm -hmm. you know all of the artifice is gone in in that in those rooms and you can see the audience getting into that mode of like, we're with you. Mm-hmm. We're fully committed to what you're going to give us. And in, in comedy works, I saw that and I was like, holy shit, this is the humbling thing that I've been looking for in, in the other art forms. Yeah. And to, to be in that room when that was happening was really cool. Yeah. Cause I'd never been to a stand up show before. Yeah. I don't think maybe in college, you know, how, how they bring yeah. in like a couple of people, but somebody of that caliber, like Christina P and, and, you know, some of the other ones. I also think seeing around. a comedian in a theater versus seeing them in a club that size mm-hmm. is so different. It's so much more intimate. You know, right. I've, you're right. We'd seen a few comedians like Louis Black came to, we saw, yeah, we saw UW. Louis Black. There was a couple that came through while we were at, at UW, but the theater experience, it's still fun. Yeah. But it's much there's more distance uh-huh. and it's just it's not as intimate and yeah, I thought that you know, she's a she's a pretty famous. She has, you know, the podcast which is very well known. And you could tell who <laughs> yeah. the podcast fans were. Yeah, there was, it was very a, clear who they were. A lot of mommies. And, yeah, a lot uh, of mommies. Yeah. And you you know, they had the shirts, like we were in our jean out you know i had my jean hoodie on and it felt good too and i wanted i wanted to make sure that i was wearing a shirt because you you wanted to let the community know it's like hey yeah i'm in here i'm on board and i also think i know she said this before that she feels security when she knows there are podcast fans in the audience especially when she's working on new material because that's scary that's a scary period of time yeah yeah and well like you say now 
it it's very difficult to find that line because you're not allowed to look at it. Right. In in the public sphere, you will get attacked for for saying something that that's not really in PC or PC. Yeah. yeah, and and so in particular, I think comedians have a really hard time with that because I guess as a playwright or maybe a writer, I under I understand that there are some things that that have to happen for you to find the right tone of of the piece or whatever it is that you're working on. And they can't really do it. I mean, there's moments where you know, like, some comedians just should not be saying right. the things that they're saying. <laughs> right. But for the most part, they're coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make you laugh. Right. They're trying to find that levity to whatever serious shit is going on. And you got to let them find that that line. Mm-hmm. Well, she said something really interesting. She said, why is it not okay – why can we not make fun of someone, but also at the same time support them and love them and mm-hmm. be on their side? Yeah. She said that's not, those two things are not mutually exclusive, you know, and I thought that that was really a smart observation and something that w- this society has completely gone the polar opposite of. I mean, I always feel like I go back to my childhood to find my, my compass on this because I was the only brown kid in my group of friends mm-hmm. and I got to fucking hear a lot of, a lot of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but you know what? I let them have it too. Yeah. So there was a trust there and these were my best friends, you know, right. and, and they were the ones who were calling me the, the, <laughs> the greasy Mexican <laughs> and right. I was just giving them back, you know, a whole bunch of shit. But mm-hmm. we just, we found that line yeah. that worked for us. Yeah. And for a comedian, you know, or anybody who's in that public space, they they really have to be more careful. Yeah. You know, to find that that definitive line. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just remember being at my most comfortable when people could make fun of me and I could make fun of them. Yeah. And I'm talking about my friends, you know. Right. So, obviously, I don't know that there's an analogy for turning it into a public conversation, but at the same time, you know when somebody's being a dick about it. You right. know when somebody is going after somebody because there's hatred in their heart right. and they don't care for that particular community or that particular person or, you know, whatever that person believes in. Yeah. Then it becomes a, a full-fledged attack right. that's coming from a place that that doesn't help anything. Yeah. And I think I think sometimes people just forget that person is on stage to make you laugh. Mm-hmm. They're not on stage to make statements. They're not on stage to hurt anybody. That's not why they're there. That's not why they're getting paid. Yeah. And they want to be successful at making you right. laugh and forget about the things that hurt. Right. That's really the truth of, of, of what being an artist is or being a comedian is in particular is just give them a chance to, to make you smile and think about things a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. She was really, really great. Yeah. She she worked on a lot of stuff and it was just it was so amazing like just to be in the same room. Yeah, I remember it like you you were starstruck. I was. You definitely big were, time. especially when you looked at me and I don't think you even looked at me because you were so transfixed with her and she was only like fifteen feet yeah, away. Yeah, she was super. It close. was incredible. Yeah, and you were like, she's right there. She's right there. Like you, you you I don't think you wanted to say it, but you said it yeah. anyway. And it was it was. I was just, just like really taking cool. her all in too, like. Because yeah. you see someone that you hear, you know, I listen to that podcast every day and you hear them in your head, 
you know, in your ears every day. Yeah. And it was just so surreal. It's, it's the personal element of their show too, that it, it just, it felt really nice mm-hmm. because you were familiar with her. And I think that's what works for her too. Yeah. Is that to have that security, that safety blanket is, is yeah. really. Cause I'm really sure she's going to play some rooms that maybe aren't as friendly and as accommodating. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's nice sometimes to have a room that's just ready to laugh and ready to go along with her for yeah. the ride, you know. Absolutely. So if you guys are looking for a raunchy podcast that makes fun of the internet and all of the, uh, the disaster that is, that is just people in general, I think that you, you should check out your mom's house podcast or the comedy of Christina P or Tom Segura because they are, they are pretty hysterical. Yeah. We are, are actually waiting for a new Tom Segura special as well because it's we've been coming. quoting, yeah, it's we, coming. but we've been quoting the last one for ages. And ages, that is, yeah. what's the name of the, the latest one? Disgraceful. Disgraceful. Yeah. And again, this may not be for everyone, but we, we like that sort of irreverent kind yeah. of tone when it comes to stand up comedy. So, uh, go ahead and check it out if you're into that. Tom's uh, is disgraceful and Christina's is Mother Inferior. Mother Inferior. Both on Netflix yeah. and they're both wonderful. Yeah. Usually at the end of the week, we like to have a laugh or 20. So on that note, this kind of reminds me of uh, some of the conversations that we were having earlier this week and just today about how shitty people are in general. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of those people. and I've become more aware of it. I don't know, in my old age. Well, I think you just have less patience. I guess. For, for what you see. I'm definitely less tolerant of idiots. <laughs> and I just, I'm having a harder time keeping it to myself. So what happened? Okay, so this is this has happened twice. And I don't know if I've just never noticed it. I don't know how I couldn't have noticed it before. And I'm going to look this up while you, you're okay. setting up the story just to so, see if, if... I would say this was a couple weeks ago. I was getting gas. It was very cold. That day, it was probably below zero. I think that was one of the days that we it was below zero. So it was just frigid. I got, I stopped in at the gas station to fill my car. I found a pump. I got out, you know, I was doing my thing, got the gas going, and I was just standing next to the pump like you're supposed to do. <laughs> and I look over at the guy on the pump across from me, like right on the other side. He was... Okay. His car was running while he was pumping the gas. Running. He was on his cell phone at the same time. And then he gets in and out of his car several times for whatever reason. He's literally doing all three things at the same time that the pump says you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to have your cell phone on. You're not supposed to get in, in and out of your car because of <laughs> static electricity could f- spark the gasoline that you're putting into your running vehicle. You are not supposed to leave your vehicle on while you're putting gasoline in it. Yes. It's a combustion. It's an internal combustion engine. <laughs> Why would you put a flammable substance into a running vehicle? It's insanity. Slightly infuriating. But but the thing is, is that these people don't like to be told what to do. This is a, a, a big issue that we have in, in a very live or let live, quote unquote, state such as Wyoming. If, if somebody tells you, if there's some kind of rule 
that is implemented for your safety, somebody will tell you, I have the right to ignore your request for me to be safe. Mm-hmm. And I will put myself at jeopardy. But at the same time, these people are putting other people in jeopardy as well. Yeah. It's not just about them. There's other people at the gas station, asshole. Not just you and your stupid Denali. Right. And this is this is an old article because uh, I'm trying to find some, some other information yeah. that might validate okay, our argument. Because what I was thinking was like, okay, well, maybe these rules are sort of archaic. You know, maybe they're... Maybe they were implemented like early on when cars were less stable, mm-hmm. and you know maybe gasoline was less stable, and maybe they're they're they don't really apply anymore because cars are made differently and mm-hmm. whatever. But I was like, well, why would they still post them if they mm-hmm. weren't valid rules? You know, it's not like they're old wives' tales. Like clearly, there's something to it. Right. There was something here from this is a very old article from the Washington Post, so I may have to find some something else. Mm-hmm. But it said, uh, one example here from an individual who's commenting here. I do know of at least one fire that occurred while a car was running at the gas pumps. It happened in Winchester at an Exxon station right across from the post office. A woman in a minivan was filling up when she decided to turn her car on Mm. to see if her gas tank was full. A spark caused an explosion. Mm -hmm. Her van was destroyed as well as the gas pump. Luckily, she was able to get her child out of the van. Oh, my God. And no one was hurt. Also, the attendant on duty quickly shut off all the pumps so the fire did not spread. So, let's see here. My parents were living in Winchester at the time and showed me the front page. It convinced me to make sure my car is always turned off at the pump. Hope this helps. There was another incident of Superstar. Who was it? Um, Actually, Joey Kramer from Aerosmith. He's their drummer. Mm was badly burned when his Ferrari caught fire when it was being refueled at a Boston area gas station. Investigators said the car was running while the gasoline tank was being filled, which is illegal and increases the chances of fire. It's illegal. It's illegal. At least in that state. And this was uh, a very, very old article. But I think there's enough of a consensus from what I'm looking at here in Google that you just – you can't – I was going to make a fucking pun. I can't get away from these puns. Don't play with fire, folks. Just. Yeah. It just seems so basic. Like, okay. Yes. It was cold that day. I get it. You don't want your car to get cold. You don't want to be cold. I get it. Mm -hmm. But you're not the only person in this world. There are other people around you. And what about your own fucking sense of self-preservation? Do you want to go up in flames just because you don't want to turn your car off for two minutes? It's just, it's infuriating. Yeah. And I think that if we're going to do a PSA about this, I would say that the big thing to highlight about this is folks need to understand that when you get to the gas pump, it's not just your fucking safety. Yeah. You're sharing the space with everyone else. So even if you feel that it's your goddamned American given right to leave your car on while you gas up, it's not just your life that's at stake. It's the lives of like as many people or at that that it was a busy station. gas station. There yeah. were a lot of people yeah. there. You're talking about, you know, 10, 15 people at yeah. least on a busy day. And it's just reckless. You know, we were talking about this going down to Denver. Just It doesn't matter if they keep raising the speed limit. Mm-hmm. The speed limit is 80 miles an hour on I-25. 80. Yeah. That's the speed limit. They raised it from 75 to right. 80. Right. And yet people are still going 90, 95, 100 because 80 is just not goddamn fast enough. Yeah. And people love that too. It's it's just that great notion that if you have something that you're not supposed to do, mm-hmm. 
that law will be broken. If you know that the sheriff won't be around the corner, mm -hmm. you will be going 90 as well. Or at least there's a, an element in you that will desire to go further. And I'm not saying that I'm completely... I'm guilty of speeding. Everybody's guilty of speeding. Mm -hmm. But I'm not purposely... You know, sometimes I have a lead foot. Okay, you're going 45 and a 40. Oh, you better slow it back down. Mm -hmm. I'm not purposely going 10 or 15 over because I fucking can. You know, like it's just, yeah. it's just this but like. Because you don't think like that, it's hard for you to wrap your head around it. But some people, that is their main motivator in life. Yeah. They're going to do it because they can. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. And I just, it's so, I mean, we saw people. Not just in Colorado. This is not just like a big city problem. You know, we see this on Wyoming highways all the time. People driving just so recklessly. Especially how, in, in inclement weather. Yeah, when it in gets inclement weather. And how often do we hear about highway accidents well, where did you no look at one the tally? is wearing the fucking seatbelt? Did you no look at one. the tally, though? Right now, it's we're, we're already in the double digits. It's, yeah. it's already about 20 yeah. deaths. And this is... Barely, barely the first month yeah. of 2019. Mm -hmm. And Wyoming just has a horrible track record with with sort of senseless deaths mm -hmm. on the road because people refuse to put on their seatbelts. Mm -hmm. They don't follow the, the speed same, limits. All and for when, the same reason. When the weather gets bad, they think their trusty trucks are going to mm -hmm. get them through and we end up with catastrophe. Yeah. That's just what happens. Yep. And it reminded me of uh, what a gentleman at work was saying we always get to talking uh, about things that are really difficult for me to talk about because i disagree fundamentally mm. with this individual about everything but i love having those conversations because they question right. you know they they sort of put my beliefs to the test right. and one of the things that he mentioned he used the example of the seatbelt as as sort of like a conversation starter like he felt that to have a law about putting on your seatbelt violates his rights of what he can and can't do as an American. <laughs> so he would rather have the option to say, no, I'm not going to wear my seatbelt today and not get a ticket, but he might die. Mm -hmm. But at least he chose to go out on his own terms. Right. That was sort of the general the general understanding of, of his belief system. And I said, you know what? There's people who are too young to be able to make that decision. Right. You know, if you're a 16-year-old, 17-year-old behind the wheel just getting comfortable with, with driving and getting in these really difficult Wyoming roads, you know, you got to have some kind of fail-safe, some kind of plan in place so that lives are, are not lost senselessly. Right. Yeah. And that's the big thing is, is people just don't like to be told what to do. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> I don't know. I... I don't think I'll ever get to a point where I'm like, yeah, that's that's valid. I get it. I'm just, I'm not. I'm, I think that it's, the laws wouldn't be there if they weren't necessary. Mm. And clearly they're necessary. Yeah. Because people are dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah. The thing to take from this is that just be sensible. Mm -hmm. You may not like the rules, but if if we can remind you of this, Maddie and I were saved by our seatbelts. We were. When we were in our car accident. Yep. Maddie and I were in a rollover accident about two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And 
that is one incident that I just, I wish would never have happened, but also illustrated how important it is to, to keep in mind that we are not as infallible as we think we are. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of things that could go wrong if we're not paying attention. And even if you're a good driver and you never make mistakes, the guy in the next lane is going to. Yeah. And, and that's did. what happened. And that's the what happened. The guy made a mistake and you were doing just fine. And, and we were listening to some music and we were eight miles away from home. Yep. And. And if we hadn't been wearing our seatbelts, we wouldn't be here today. Yep. So. So I'm sorry that this became a lesson, but the moral of the story is don't be a dick. Yeah. Think about other people. Be think kind. Think about other people. It's okay. It's okay to think about other people. Yeah. But we can move on to bigger and better things or happier things. Yeah. Because we we want to make a habit of showcasing the stuff that we've been watching or we've been really into because it's it's such a big part of our lives in Wyoming that there's very little to do sometimes when it's cold and we really don't want to get outside in the weather. Mm -hmm. So we have a pretty steady diet of some shows and really our big one lately has been... The Great British Baking Show. Yes. We started watching it when your mom was here. Yeah. When my mom came to visit, yeah. uh, we figured that it would be a good opportunity to get into it because she loves those baking shows. You yeah. Know? She loves uh, Chopped. Mm -hmm. That is probably one of the great hallmarks of, of my mom's yeah. know, entertainment. Yeah. And we were really surprised because the show does not really follow the do or die or lone wolf mentality of American shows. Right. It's really a, a, a wonder yeah. because you get to see these people who are strangers coming into, I guess they pretty much volunteer their time to come and do this contest. Well, they're chosen. Yeah, they're chosen, yeah. but they're not getting paid. No. First of all, that's really the big mm -hmm. difference. It's, it's an anomaly because it just doesn't fit into the rubric of what a cooking show or baking show should be by American standards. By American standards, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so wholesome and it's so sweet. Very. And the people that they get on there, they're just normal people. They just, they're really good bakers mm -hmm. and they put them all in a tent and they give them these really difficult tasks, these things that they have to bake and, mm -hmm. and they do the best they can and they eliminate a baker every week. I think the two most shocking things about this show to me as I was watching it, the first thing is that if something goes wrong with one of the baker's recipes and another person is free to help them, they do. They typically do. And you would never see that in, in something produced by fucking the, like, the Food Network or yeah. anything like that. Like, and they're competing. They're right. competing against each other. Remember this. They're not, it's not a team effort. They're competing. Right. But if someone is having a hard time or they need help getting their cake from the pan to the, to the baking sheet, you know, they're, they're right there, like helping them. Or if they drop something, they're helping them, like get it back. You know, yeah. it's just incredible to me. It's so sad that that is like a thing that is that is frowned that is upon. Unique. And, it's yeah. unique about this show in the grand scheme of reality television. That's true. Yeah. And the last thing that uh, kind of floored me: the ending of the first season when they're the last, the finale yeah. when they they're down to three bakers and they have to choose the winner. 
you know, it's very dramatic. And they choose the winner. And we're like, yay, it's the, you know, whoever won the first season. And we're like, what do they get? Yeah. <laughs> they get, they, never they get a baking dish. Yeah. With their it. name on it. That's and it, it says the great, whatever, best baker or whatever. Yeah. And a, a lovely bouquet of flowers, which the other two get. Mm-hmm. And like hugs from the hosts. Right. And that's it. And that is it. They don't win money. They don't win a car. They don't win a trip to Hawaii. Right. They just win the notoriety. Yeah. Which is great for them because they get to to launch whatever enterprises right. they, they choose to. So they are getting, obviously, they're getting exposure. They're getting notoriety. Mm-hmm. They, most of the winners and even the runners up end up with blogs or recipe books or, you know. Do a cooking show tour yeah. of, of some kind. Yeah. So it's not like they're winning nothing. Mm-hmm. They're getting all that. But yeah. the concept and your mom was like. But they don't win any money? What a ripoff, you know? Yeah, it was yeah, such like a funny... Because uh, we were all like, what? They don't win money? It was like completely outlandish yeah. to us that they didn't win money. Yeah. And I just realized like, oh, that's not what this is about. Right. And, you know? and that's sort of a reveal, uh, surprise ending, if you will, mm-hmm. about about that show is mm-hmm. that where are your values as yeah. a viewer? You know, so capitalist. We know that we know that you want to, as a viewer, we are trained to live vicariously through mm-hmm. the experiences of these folks, and we we really do hope that they get that brand new car. We hope mm-hmm. that there's something at the end of the of the rainbow, that pot of gold that will make the journey worthwhile. But really, the the show in its I don't know if the, if it was intended or they said, you know, the BBC said, we don't have a budget to get you a fucking yeah, car at the end of it. That could be, yeah. But it revealed that there was a deep sense of community that mm. is really nice to experience. Yeah. And throughout the show, you're just subconsciously becoming a part of that community or wanting, wanting them to just kind of make it together. Mm-hmm. And it makes the departures of the show when they get eliminated yeah. more, more interesting and, and more heartbreaking because mm-hmm. – they're on their way out. Right. And some of them are just incredibly talented. So it's really sad yeah, to see them to go. See them go yeah. Some of the shit that I've seen them create yeah. out of flour and, and fucking yeast and, and sugar and sugars. Yeah. It's incredible. It's yeah. It, it gives me a newfound appreciation for, for that as a craft mm-hmm. for baking as a, as an art form. Yeah. And I remember the, the prison warden, what's his name? The Paul, I think was his name. Paul who, yeah. who ran the, uh, the prison. Yeah. The, some of the stuff that he did. Yeah. Was outstanding. Like the lion. Yeah. He, he made, made a lion, lion face out of, out of bread. Yeah. And you're like, what is going on? How is this possible? Mm-hmm. And even, uh, there's some moments when one of the hosts, Paul Hollywood, he says, "This is I've never seen anything like this on bread." And, he's, and th- he's like a world-renowned baker. Mm-hmm. It's it's just that's w- one of the great moments of yeah. the show. Yeah. yeah, I love when they do things like the technical. So the technical challenge is usually the second bake that they do in each episode. And some of the technicals they've done in the more recent ep- the more recent seasons have been so difficult <laughs> yeah. that the hosts are like, even professional bakers don't do this shit. Yeah. They they buy the store bought stuff, or they you know they they do not yeah. do this themselves. Yeah. So the fact that they're even able to, or sometimes they're like, this is normally done over like a twenty four hour period of time. You have five hours, right. you know, <laughs> like, right. and they're like, what? <laughs> and to see these amateur, they're amateurs. Mm-hmm. These amateur bakers 
meet that challenge is incredible to me. Like they, even professionals can't do that. And they're sitting there doing it and to the, you know, not always successfully, but to the best of their ability. Yeah. You know, getting, but even the failures don't seem as, as heavy handed. They don't seem staged like Mm -hmm. an American cooking show. It just seems so organic. And because there's that community there, they're able to just kind of lift each other up. And, and the camaraderie of the show is really the, the big selling point in my mind. Yeah, And you know, what's funny is you're never rooting against anyone. No. You're never like, no. fuck that guy. He yeah. needs to go home. You know? Unless the guy who has really horrible teeth and you're like, just cut away from that, dude. But <laughs> yeah. those guys usually leave pretty early on yeah. in the show. Uh, well, not always. But <laughs> yeah, the, the teeth in this show are, are something else. But, you know, they can't help it. It's just the way the system is. Right, but. right. But they do have archety- – they do have like uh, – not stereotypes, but there are – types of people that they get though yeah. after quite a few seasons you start to see the the di- kind of molds of people that they're looking yeah, to, true, to kind of plug in which is i mean they need a variety of people yeah. in the show they always have kind of like the the old lady who has experience who does right. like her own kind of thing yeah and then they have like the younger hip like like girl who's like up and coming and then they have like like the mother of three mm-hmm. and then they have the the career oriented men who right. just kind of do it for fun to right. relieve some stress just a lot of uh, these That's different true. kind I of never, archetypes I never really thought of it and, that way but they do do that and you know it, it just kind of breeds variety and and not necessarily conflict but just diversity mm-hmm. in in problem solving mm-hmm. when they get to that stage and of crunch time yeah but overall it's it's a really great experience just getting to watch the show so yeah, it's really fun. I would give a tink to that. Yeah. Let's tink to Let's the Great tink. British Baking Show. There we go. That's a solid tink. <laughs> solid tink. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great show. Definitely, we recommend it highly. So, I, I don't know if we had very much else on the agenda, but I think we covered our main basis. Was there anything else that you had on the on the list? Not really. We have some shows that are in the... In the queue that we're planning to watch. Yeah, we were pretty excited about two in particular. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of buzz about the following two, and those are... Um, so the Ted... Bu- I don't I don't remember the exact names, but the Ted Bundy documentary series, I'm super interested in watching. I have a couple friends that have already gotten through it, mm. and I definitely want to want to check it out, even though I'm scared. And the second one was the Marie Kondo show. The one, the author of the... the, the Tidying Mac- Up. Yeah. Tidying Up tidying with Marie Kondo. Right. That's yes. what it's called. Um, and I think that one looks really good. Just, it's sort of like the um, the TLC formula, you know, where they go into a house and they... Right. They clean it up or they, re- you know, they renovate it or... So those shows are usually kind of fun. Yeah. But I think what I'm looking for with that show, and I think maybe we should watch that one first... I have a lot of questions about it because I've been reading different opinions on it. There's been a lot of backlash about how she is being perceived. Mm-hmm. Like she's telling these Americans that they have to throw out all of their shit. And there seems to be a, a general misunderstanding about where she's coming from with, with this, this movement mm-hmm. that she's trying to share with the world. And I want to know sort of what her perspective is on, on, on her plan, like what her plan is and where that came from or mm-hmm. how, how it's based on her, 
her background because right now it feels like I'm just getting memes and, right. and lopsided information. Yeah. So it feels like she's being made a caricature before people even get to meet her. Right. And I blame Twitter, you know, because, because everything just moves so fucking fast that yeah. you, you can't keep up with it. Right. But I, I think that'll be a lot of fun. So we'll, maybe we'll just flip up a, a coin yeah. and see, which one, see which one goes first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be a win-win. Yeah. So keep an eye out on the next episode because that's going to be coming up probably next week. Yeah. Anything else? That was it. That was, that was it. everything on my list. Well, folks, uh, we're probably going to be bugging some of our friends so that they can come and join us on the show soon. We were just a little focused on on some of the day job stuff that we weren't able to reach out to our folks uh, this last week. But we will get to that. But we hope that this was a good show for you tonight no i think that's it i'm I'm excited to maybe try to get a a guest in here yeah we're gonna get caddy g he was being a complete tool i sent him a message on facebook and i asked him dude you want to come and talk about yoga because i was told that he started doing yoga as well oh so you need to bug him about what his experience because i think he did the exact same thing that you were doing oh that's cool plot twist there you go so i think that we should have caddy g should he ever decide to (laughs) to be available yeah 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 but we're gonna try to reach out to some of our other friends because there's just so much knowledge in those uh those minds that we need to just start mining that yeah yeah that'd be good Okay, folks, we're going to do one last tink and we're going to sign off tonight. But we hope that you have a wonderful weekend and a great rest of the week as you start Monday. Bye, guys. Bye.